Hey there church, it is a huge privilege for me to be able to share with you all this morning and be with you. Um, I really hope that you're doing well, that you're staying safe, looking after yourselves in the midst of this second lockdown, and that you're still finding ways to to engage and spend time with Jesus. I really hope that you're doing that, and I hope you've had a great week this week. Um, hopefully you saw you saw uh, the service last week where Anna shared with us, she shared some great stuff from Song of Songs. Um, as I'm sure you are very much aware, we've been reading Isaiah together for the past week and a bit. Um, and for me, I've been absolutely loving it. I feel like Isaiah, maybe you feel the same, but for me, Isaiah is always one of those books that I sort of dip in and out of. It's one that I sort of like pick up my favourite parts, the bits that I know, but it's not one that I ever spend massive extended time in. So it's been great actually to read through and get a feel of the progression and the flow of the book of Isaiah. So we are going to be reading from Isaiah this morning, obviously. Um, we're going to be reading from chapter 11. So you can grab your Bibles open to that, to that ready. Um, but first, I'm just going to pray. Father God, thank you um, that we can gather together virtually um, to, to do church and to have fellowship together. Father, thank you so much that you, you care about every detail of our lives, God. And thank you that you've been keeping us safe this far. And Father, I pray for more of the same. I pray this morning, God, that we would hear you speak. That's my biggest prayer, God, that, that through me or in spite of me, God, would you be speaking to your people this morning? Father, we want to hear from you. We want to grow. We want to learn. We want to pursue you and seek you in our lives. So, Father, speak to us this morning. I want to pray. Amen. Awesome. Um, I'm going to start then by reading Isaiah chapter 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. <clears throat> and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples, and the nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In that day the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Ephraim's jealousy will vanish, and Judah's enemies will be destroyed. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, nor Judah hostile toward Ephraim. They will swoop down on the slopes of Philistia to the west. Together they will plunder the people to the east. They will subdue Edom and Moab, and the Ammonites will be subject to them. The Lord will dry up the gulf of the Egyptian sea. 
With a scorching wind, he will sweep his hand over the Euphrates River. He will break it into seven streams so that anyone can cross over in sandals. There will be a highway for the remnant of his people that is left from Assyria, as there was for Israel when they came up from Egypt. You may notice that I've picked out one of the more positive chapters in Isaiah. Um, Hopefully you won't blame me for that. Uh, But seriously, this chapter just absolutely leapt out at me this week when I was reading ahead and and sort of thinking about this morning's message. It built on some stuff that I really feel God's been saying to me recently and also spoke some brand new stuff into my life. So for me, I was like, boom, this is the the one. This is the one that I'm going to share from on Sunday. Now, I don't know about you, but I am very much the kind of person who likes to see things rather than just to hear or read them. What I'm saying is that I like pictures. Um, I used to love reading as a kid. Don't get me wrong, I loved reading. But what I really loved was when the book had a really great cover with some like cool artwork on it or something, or even better, if it had some pictures inside too. That was a real winner. Um, and the Bible always doesn't have pictures all the time, um, which is, uh, but... It does often use really pictorial language that helped me uh, paint a mental picture. And it does that quite a lot. And then I usually find that way easier to read and way easier to be engaged and interested in. Now Isaiah chapter 11 100% ticks that box for me. It is full of really clear pictures that make it really nice to read. And as we start right at the beginning of the chapter, when verse 1 talks about a shoot springing up from the stump of Jesse. Uh, From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. I'm sure you know that that the shoot mentioned here is Jesus, who did, of course, come from the line of Jesse, King David's father. The fact that that Jesse's family line, the the nation of Israel, is now a stump, suggests that it was once a great tree. And from the book we've already read, we know that. I'm thinking of like Kings and Chronicles. And we know that this is the truth. Uh, When you think of kings like David and Solomon and some of their other descendants, these great kings of Israel and Judah, you could have compared this nation, these these kings, to huge, strong trees. But again, as we know, this great family tree, this great nation, it was cut down. God's people, they were sent into exile. And it seemed impossible for them to grow back the way they were before as this powerful and strong nation. So for Isaiah to present them this would have been pretty mind-blowing and hard to understand how it would ever be possible. Or depending on how they were feeling about Isaiah, we know that some of them disregarded it completely. They, they didn't want to hear it. If we take a look at verse, at verse 2, it talks of all the ways that God's spirit will rest on him, rest on Jesus, this new shoot springing up. The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of fear of the Lord. Maybe you noticed if you're if you're really observant, uh, but there were seven spirits listed there. And we know from Genesis and from other parts of the Bible that seven is a pretty significant number. It represents completeness. So this shoot that Isaiah is talking about, it's not a sickly, pathetic little shoot that's just managing to spring up and barely holding on. It's got everything. It's bursting up with life in all of its completeness. In fact, this whole chapter speaks of what the world will be like when it's complete, when it's as it should be. All the stuff about the animals and children, how is any of that going to happen in today's world? And for the people of Judah to believe they would become friends with nations that they're currently hostile towards, and that they would go on and conquer these other powerful nations. The whole chapter is chock full of stuff that would have seemed impossible to God's people from the place they were in, 
especially after the judgment that was coming for their rebellion against God. But as, as we know, we have a God who loves to do the impossible, who loves to blow our minds. And that's why Jesus was exactly what they needed, because not only did it seem impossible that they could be redeemed, but also the cross was never the redemption plan they would have expected. And it was that unexpectedness, it was that improbability that would make Jesus and his cross all the more special. So I loved that. I loved that about this chapter. I loved being reminded that there was always a plan. There was always a rescue plan. Despite God's present anger with Judah, with the people, uh, he was still going to redeem them through his son. But I felt like that wasn't all God was saying to me through this chapter this week. That is all true and that is all great and I love it. But I felt like he was saying more to me this week. I wonder if there are uh, any areas of your life that you feel are a bit like a dead stump right now. Maybe they're things that were once these tall trees, these big parts of the, of the forest of your life, if you will. Um, and maybe they were cut down. Maybe they were cut down by you. Maybe they were cut down by somebody else. Maybe there was bad weather. There was a storm came in and knocked it down. You see, when a tree falls, it makes a big impact. If there are other trees near to it, uh, it, can, it can fall into them. It can damage them. It can even bring them down with it. If there are people stood too close, obviously there's a huge risk of them being hurt. And then quite often, obviously, the tree will be cleared away. And then what's left is just this stump and this gap in the canopy, this gap in the top of the forest. You probably made the connection yourself when you see what I'm getting at here. But I feel like it's a really suitable metaphor for those parts of our lives that come crashing down sometimes. It's not often limited to one thing. Just like the tree falling over, this one thing, as it falls, it can affect different parts of our lives and even bring them down with it. Also, just like the tree, if, if people are close to us, which we all have close people, sometimes when things go wrong in our lives, it can affect them, it can hurt them, upset them. And then often when these things happen, we feel like we're left with this gap in the canopy of our lives. And often we can feel like it will never be filled, like nothing will regrow from this scorched dead stump that's been left behind. But to me, this chapter of Isaiah, it inspires hope. Hope that I don't have to be left with a gap like that in my life. Hope that this dead stump doesn't have to stay as a dead stump. You see, God can bring the fullest of life from the deadest of things. And what's more is that only he can do that. It doesn't matter how skilled you are at arboriculture, which is the study of trees. Chances are you're not going to be able to promote growth from that stump. Little side note for you, I very nearly trained in arboriculture and tree surgery. I went to an open day on it and I was pretty much signed up for the course and I bottled it. I bottled it last minute. But if I hadn't done that, I might not be speaking to you guys today. But on the plus side, my metaphors about trees probably would be, be a lot better. So, so pros and cons, I guess. But, but I digress, sorry. Um, when we try and promote growth from the dead stumps in our lives, often we fail completely. Or... What we grow is this sickly, struggling little plant that's not even going to make it through the winter. What God grows, what God grows is bursting with life. And as we've already said, what he grows is complete. A holy seed springing up into beautiful, perfect life. We cannot make that happen by ourselves. And when you look at the rest of this chapter, chapter 11, the bits about the animals and the children, the bits about the future of Judah, that for me is a reminder that not only can God work great things in my life, but also that he can do stuff I would never see coming. 
Just like we can't imagine a world where you comfortably leave your infant child to play with a nest of vipers, we can't begin to imagine the ways in which God can transform and he can grow things in our lives. When I was 17, uh, I was in college, I was doing A-levels. Um, I was failing A-levels, I, I should rather say. Um, I'd just done my AS exams. I'd just finished my first year of college. And I think, <clears throat> I think maybe I passed one of them by the skin of my teeth. One of the exams I didn't even go to because I thought, what's the point in this? And mum, if you're watching this, I'm not sure you knew that. Uh, but now you know, and I'm really sorry. Uh, but anyway, the point I'm trying to make here <clears throat> is that college education, which was obviously was a big part of my life as a 17-year-old, it had become this huge dead stump in my life <clears throat> and I had no idea how to bring life back into it and to make things worse my relationship with God was pretty non-existent at the time. My parents who are amazing they encouraged me to pray about it and they encouraged me to listen to what God was speaking into my life. Over the summer after my first year at college I found out about a place called Minidon which is a Christian adventure centre in northwest Wales. They ran a trainee programme where people my age could come and receive training in the outdoor sport, which was awesome, whilst also working with school groups, family groups, youth groups, as well as learning to, to share my faith through short messages and, and talks and re receiving support in doing that. There were also opportunities to get involved in the local church with, with stuff like youth club and, and being on the worship team and other stuff like that. So I went to visit. I went to visit that summer just to just to check it out and and uh, so I went for the day and I saw what they were up to and then I came home and as soon as I got in I got in when I got home I emailed straight away asking please interview me please can I come and work at Minidon <clears throat> I interviewed in October and, and two weeks later I dropped out of college and I was working at Minidon and there it was from the dead scorched stump of education, of college, a brand new shoe, it shot up. And as time went by, that new shoe, it grew and it grew and it grew. I discovered a real authentic passion for the outdoors, for working with children and young people, and it rekindled my passion for Jesus. And if it wasn't for the time that I, that I spent there, that I spent at Minidon, and that tree beginning to grow, uh, I don't think I ever would have sensed God calling me here to counterslip and to this role that I love so much. Don't get me wrong, that tree is definitely still growing, it's not done yet. But my point is that the shoot that regrows, it might look completely different to what the old tree looked like. I know I'm really, I'm really loving this tree metaphor today, but stick with me because there's, there's more to it. And I want to ask a question, when have you ever seen two perfectly identical trees? I don't know if it's possible, like I said, I didn't study that stuff in the end. Um, but I'm pretty sure I haven't seen that. The branches always twist in different ways, the trunk is, is marked and different things grow on it. The leaves are laid out and they're shaped differently. So with that in mind, I wanted to read another, another verse from Isaiah, uh, from chapter 43, verse 19, which says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I am making new life spring up from dead stumps in ways you could never imagine. Okay, I made that last bit up. But I definitely reckon that it fits what that verse is saying. Just like it says in one of my favourite worship songs, a song called Do It Again. God can make a way where there is no way. God can bring the fullest of life 
from the deadest of things. Obviously, we're in lockdown 2.0 right now. I don't want to make this message about COVID because it's not about COVID, it's about Jesus. But this country and the world as a whole, we, we can't seem to shake COVID off right now. And I know it's more complicated than just shaking it off, but I'm not here to, to get into all that. What I want to say is during the first lockdown, I know I experienced a few of those stunts. A few things were cut down. I wasn't able to do stuff that I wanted to do. Some things that I was doing maybe with work and stuff, it lost momentum and it all sort of came crashing down. And it was pretty tough. And it was tough for everyone. I know lots of you experienced similar things to that. But I wonder, when we came out of that first lockdown, that gradual coming out that we, that we had, and then sort of September when things really kicked off back to normal, what did we do with that stuff? What did we do with those stunts? Did we try desperately to regrow, to restore it to what it was before by our own strength? Or did we offer those stumps up to God and say to him, God, what do you want to do with this? Where are you going to push up these new shoots? Are you doing a new thing? Because if you are, I want to perceive it. I know I didn't do that straight away. I was trying to hold on to what we had been running over lockdown in the youth stuff. And, and my thoughts were, were like, how can I bring youth club back? How can I bring this, that and the other thing back? Just like it was before. But recently with the help uh, from, from, from the elders and from Matt, I've been trying to see what new things he is up to. How is he working, not just in spite of COVID, but how is he working through COVID? What new things is he bringing up that he wants me to see and be a part of? And I wonder if that's a message for, for, for us as church. We all miss the way things were before COVID, but, but I wonder, is God calling us to see what new things he is doing? How is he calling us, not just to bring it back the way it was, but how is he calling us to see what he is doing, see the new stuff he is doing, and how is he calling us to be a part of it? See, I am doing a new thing. Jesus has the power to transform our lives. We know that. What we don't always know is how he's going to do it. And that can be really off-putting when we're in that place. We actually can not quite often become an awful lot like Israel when we have things go wrong and then we try to restore ourselves. And the more we realise we can't do that, the more hopeless our situation becomes. The higher the mountain that we have to climb becomes. And there's two things wrong with us doing that. Firstly, we try and do it by ourselves without that completeness, without that fullness of Jesus. And inevitably, what we grow, it withers and it dies in time. And secondly, we try to restore ourselves to where we think we need to be at. We try and regrow what we think needs to be in our lives. But since when? Since when do we know what we need? As both Glennis and Anna have shared in the last couple of weeks, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He is beyond our understanding and the perfect plans that he has for our lives they surpass anything we can imagine. God can bring the fullest of life from the deadest of things. And I want to encourage you, church, let him do that in your life. And see what springs up. See how he works new things into your life. How he makes a way where there is no way. How he works in ways you could never have seen coming. Put your trust in him. Let him do that and see what springs up. It's been so awesome to chat with you all this morning, church. Have a great week. God bless.